105 UTC right after the international news. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America! Forty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the November 28th edition of the Sunday Side of Sports. Ghana defeated South Korea Monday 3-2, while Cameroon drew 3-all with Serbia at the FIFA World Cup football tournament in Qatar. The results mean the Black Stars of Ghana and the Indomitable Lions of Cameroon can still advance to the knockout round of 16 But the Black Stars are in better position. They have three points from two matches in Group H, while Cameroon and Serbia are at the bottom of Group G with one point each. Ghana had a 2-0 lead at halftime after goals by two Mohammeds, Mohammed Salisu and Mohammed Kudus. Salisu found the net from close range in the 24th minute after Jordan Ayew's corner delivery. And Jordan Ayew delivered again in the 34th minute when his cross was knocked in by Kudus on a header. In the second half, South Korea came storming back to equalize behind two goals from Cho Gusung. But in the 68th minute, it was more kudos for kudos. The 22-year-old Ajax man bagged his second goal. And in the process, Mohamed Kudus has become one of the big African stars at this first World Cup in the Middle East. Now, South Korea threatened to equalize again in stoppage time, but Ghana held on for the big victory. Meanwhile, Cameroon's Vincent Abubakar came off the bench to rescue the indomitable Lions in the second half of his team's thrilling three-all draw with Serbia. Abubakar was summoned off the bench in the 55th minute with his team trailing 3-1. In the 63rd minute, Abubakar pulled a goal back for the indomitable Lions with a scooped chip shot over the goalkeeper. So pretty. And then he set up Eric Maxim Chopomoting to draw Cameroon level. Final scores from Qatar on Monday. Cameroon 3, Serbia 3, and Ghana 3, South Korea 2. A Sport World Cup greetings everyone. This is Ali Tomisange, a former assistant referee of World Cup 2002. Please listen to the center side of sports on the Voice of America. In World Cup results Sunday, Costa Rica defeated Japan 1-0. Croatia beat Canada 4-1. Spain and Germany battled to a one-all draw. And Morocco surprised Belgium 2-0. It was the first World Cup victory by the Atlas Lions of Morocco in 24 years. And it puts the team in good position to advance from Group F. The win also set off celebrations by Moroccan fans at the Al-Thumama Stadium in Doha, Qatar.
was very exciting to win this uh, this match against uh, a big big uh, team Belgium. Uh, it was very tough, but Moroccan team, but Moroccan team was very very good. We we scored two two goals and it was very very good. For more reaction to Morocco's victory over Belgium, Iron Mike Mbonier spoke with the chief football writer at ACLSports.com, Fisayo Dairo. It is very refreshing to see the Atlas Lions of Morocco record their first win in the competition in that fabulous win over the Belgians on Sunday evening. You know, it's a performance that every African is proud of. After seeing their opening day game against Croatia, how they acquainted themselves, you know, the passion, the commitment which saw them avoiding defeat against the last finalists of the World Cup, we knew they were capable of doing greater things. And seeing them do that against the highly rated Belgians was a a pleasing sight, not only for me, but I'm sure for every other African. Yes, it's just Africa's second win in the competition, but this one from Morocco really, really gladdens the heart of many because it was against one of the top-ranked teams in the world. And for the Moroccans, they had Hakim Ziyech, the Chelsea star, at the peak of his powers on Sunday Sofiane Amrabat of Fiorentina was also excellent and a couple of other stars um, also came to the party. Do you think the Atlas Lions of Morocco have the momentum to qualify from Group F? At this point, the Moroccans have their destiny in their own hands, going into the final group game against Canada. And this is the kind of position you like to find yourself in football. You know, you don't have to rely on results elsewhere. You don't need calculators for parameters. Just go on onto the pitch, get the results. You don't even need to win. They only need a draw against the Canadians and they'll be celebrating the progress to the World Cup second round first time in decades. That is the nature of the task at hand for them. So, of course, they have the momentum. They should play to that momentum they have not considered a goal in 180 minutes of football in Qatar. So teams who are surely going to be wary of them as well. They should play like who they are, which it is Lions. And when they get to the pitch against the Canadians, they need just a point. But I'm comfortable, I'm, I'm confident that they can even get the three points and perhaps even top the group. Fisayo, aside Morocco, do you think another African team can make it to the second round of the World Cup? Oh, there's a very tough question, I must admit, but it is what it is. We talked about Morocco having a destiny in their own hands. All the other teams can also have their destiny in their hands, especially when we start with Morocco's nickname sake, the Teranga Lions of Senegal. Having lost their first game, they bounce back with a expected win over host nation Qatar, and they go into the final group game against Ecuador, who have four points. The Ecuadorians have shown themselves to be a tough nut to crack in this competition, but Senegal have got to show why they are the African champions. They need three points. If they win, they qualify. So if you really need it, you have to show why you need it. Senegal, if they really want to hoist the flag of Africa in the round of 16, they have to show it and do the business against Ecuador. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. 
And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairu, chief football writer at ACSports.com. And you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Earlier, we heard Fisayo Dairo say the Lions of Taranga from Senegal have to do the business, have to take care of business on Tuesday when they play Ecuador in their final group match. A win will see the Lions of Taranga through to the round of 16 at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. I discussed the Lions of Taranga with my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro, during our weekly podcast, On Goal with Sonny and Muckbill. Here's Muckbill. Sporty World Cup greetings to all of our Voice America listeners. Welcome to On Goal with Sonny and Muckbill. Sonny, how's it going, man? Great, Muckbill. Great to be back here in Studio 2 for Episode 2. And it looks like you've got some different colors on your chest, Muckbill. Yeah, I had to switch it up a little bit. Um, Spain, after what they did to Costa Rica, I thought it was very fitting. 7-0. <laughs> well, Muckville, I've got some Spanish ties uh, this evening also. Why don't you tell us about your jersey right over there? Malaga FC, they're a second-tier team in Spain. And uh, my son gave me this jersey. He taught in Spain for a little while. So uh, shout-out for Malaga in Spain's second uh, division. I would definitely have to say that Senegal match was it is the first win for the African teams. 3-1 against Qatar. Big win. Big win. Huge. And uh, the, the Lions of Taranga still in contention for a knockout round uh, appearance. And it would be great to see them advance. We have online Abdurrahman Dia live from Dakar, Senegal. Abdurrahman, how is, Hello. how is the energy in Senegal after that Qatar win for Senegal? Well, uh, it is very different from what we saw on Monday when Senegal lost 2-0 against the Netherlands. Tonight, people are celebrating. They have been celebrating since the end of the game today uh, against Qatar. Uh, Very joyful, uh, very festive, really, and a sense of relief that, you know, the team has a chance to move on. So uh, people are really relieved. That is actually the word. Uh, because at some point during the game, at least until Bulaija delivered that, that, that goal, uh, you know, people were starting to have some doubt. Will they be able to score? Because they were having a lot of opportunity, but they were missing them. 
So after that, people were really, you know, they just let it go. Or flags out, you know, uh, scarves. People really are out right now at night. I'm in the middle of downtown Dakar, and people are really out celebrating. Sporty World Cup greetings. Abdul Rahman, Sonny Young here in Studio 2. As we look at the Group A standings, Abdul Rahman, uh, the Netherlands and Ecuador at the top with four points from two matches. Senegal right behind them with three points from two matches. Host Qatar has been eliminated. What's your sense among Senegalese football fans about the Lions of Taranga advancing to that knockout stage? They will close group play against Ecuador. And you're absolutely right. It is true that people are celebrating their victory today, but they were watching with great interest what was going on in that other game between uh, the Netherlands and, uh, and uh, Ecuador. And, you know, they, that was not the, the result that they were hoping. They were all ruling here for uh, the Netherlands. But uh, I think it is like a, a source of motivation now. They know that uh, the team have to win. And many here really think that it is possible because um, they were praising uh, the coach, Alun Cisse, for trusting, uh, you know, young players like Iliman Jai. And they said that is the winning goal. Saido Mane not being here. They have to rely on the young players and give them the opportunity to show, to show off and really to bribe. Absolutely. Uh, Abdurrahman, I definitely agree with you. Um, as much as it would have been lovely for the Dutch to win for the Senegal side, I definitely believe that it was still a better outcome than if the Ecuador side um, would have won. Now, if Ecuador would have won, Senegal would be in a very, very difficult situation. How do you feel like this Senegal side matches up against um, Ecuador and what we've seen from Ecuador so far? Well, Ecuador is a strong team. They play together. You know, the fact that they don't have like a big star is, I was saying the other day, is maybe a good good thing for them because now it's the whole team playing together and Senegal is kind of in the same position. They have to rely on each other. And many people here think that, you know, it is possible they can win against Ecuador, but this team is very strong. But the fact that Senegal won today against Qatar, which is the the host country, you know, is, is giving an extra motivation for everybody, not only the fans, but I'm sure the teams as, as well, because they want to move on to the next round. But Ecuador is a team to be taken very, very seriously. Abdul Rahman, Aliou Cisse captain Senegal at the 2002 World Cup in Japan and South Korea. Now he's one of five local coaches leading African teams in Qatar. What's your sense about Cisse and uh, how important he is to the success of the Taranga Lions in Qatar? It's one of the stories, isn't it, uh, to have the five teams being coached by, you know, local, uh, local uh, technicians is something that really stands out. And Alex Cisse has been uh, with the team for many years now. And I think it is a personal uh, success story, not only for him, a way to show many African countries that it is we have maybe the team, the people to, to lead those teams. And it is just, uh, you know, it could get really better if he makes it to the second round, I think. So, yeah, I think from now on it's going to be something that we will see more and more often in Africa, you know, people relying on African cultures. Abdurrahman, 
Do you feel as though the big story now is still Sadio Mane missing out on Senegal um, or with Enner Valencia being the lead top scorer in the tournament so far with three goals going up against Senegal and how he matches up against uh, Kalobali? Um, what are your thoughts on that matchup? <laughs> well, uh, many people here trust Kulibali. And as for, as for Sadio Mane, I think people have now moved on. You know, they were shocked, especially after the, the first game against the Netherlands. Really, people did miss him. Now, I think they know that he won't be here. They're going to have to do without him. People have kind of moved on, really, if, if I can rely on what people are saying on local media and on the streets as well. Abdurrahman, um, where do you rate Edward Mendy among the goalkeepers in Qatar? I was saying earlier to my colleague in the French service that actually uh, Mendy today kind of reconciled with, uh, you know, the fans to, because the first game he was criticized heavily by the team. They thought that he was the one who caused Senegal the, you know, the, the, the game. Today, really, he was praised everywhere. And I think today he did, you know, do a great game, he, a great saves. And let's hope that he stays that way. Somebody was saying earlier, uh, one of the analysts was saying, really, even though people were criticizing him, uh, it was a good move for uh, Alucice to keep him, at least to give him a chance to, you know, uh, to come back. And also, even thinking about his club, Chelsea, maybe if, if he does a, a good tournament, he will go back and take back his, uh, you know, his place. Abdul Rahman Dia speaking with us from Dakar, Senegal. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. The magic of World Cup football is being experienced in carefully controlled temperatures in the eight stadiums in Qatar. A mechanical engineering professor who has the very appropriate nickname of Dr. Cool has played a big role in these carefully controlled temperatures, as we hear now from my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. Sporty World Cup greetings, Gwen. Sporty World Cup greetings, Sonny. Qatar is one of the hottest countries in the world, with yearly temperatures averaging 82 degrees Fahrenheit and reaching upwards of over 100. And the November start to this year's World Cup takes place between the hot and cool seasons in the Gulf State, with temperatures hovering around the 90-degree mark. So how will organizers in Qatar keep 
things cool during the month-long tournament? That question was put to Saud Ghani, a professor of mechanical engineering at Qatar University who goes by the very appropriate nickname Dr. Cool. He played a key role in introducing an air conditioning system that will keep World Cup stadiums a very comfortable 70 degrees. And Ghani says he developed the technology with the help of the university and a 3D printer. We printed the stadiums uh, in a 3D printers in a scale and the university we invested in a big wind tunnel and we looked at the weather file for Doha for the last 30 years and how the wind infiltration of wind will, in, and will interact with the stadium and where I wanted to uh, put that cold air and, and form that bubble and keep it there. That microclimate bubble is formed using an air circulation technique through solar-powered fans that pull hot outside air inside to cool it off. The air is then filtered through and pushed back out. Each World Cup stadium is equipped with a specially designed cooling unit, and Saud Ghani says with more than 40,000 cheering spectators, each giving off the same amount of heat as two laptop computers, Proper ventilation is a must. So I have 40,000 people in there under the same roof, cheering, jumping, enjoying the game. And each one of us, by the way, that we are giving a lot of heat and um, roughly about two laptops of heat. So if you, if you have your laptop, touch it at the back, you'll find some heat, multiply that by two, you get that into the space. And at the same time, we are breathing, we are sweating, and we're cooling ourselves by sweat. So we put a lot of moisture in that environment. So I cannot put 40,000 people, which is roughly 80,000 laptops in a space for four hours without giving them a sort of ventilation. And when we talk about air conditioning, by the way, it's a conditioning of air, not only temperature. So we are purifying that air, uh, recycling that air. So it's not about temperature, it's about humidity, it's about um, air pollutant control. Salgani says the innovative technology is 40% more energy efficient than existing methods. It only takes two hours for a stadium to cool down ahead of a match. Ghani says the recycling system also reduces the absorption of hot outside air, and that will allow World Cup fans to beat the desert heat. We'll not bound by just winter. We can, we can run these stadiums to a thermally controlled bubble of around, for your viewers to understand it, between 20 to 21 degrees C, no matter what is the temperature outside, you know, uh, higher 40s. Saud Ghani credits the air conditioning system's success to his collaboration with architects and engineers who helped design the groundbreaking technology. And in keeping with his nickname, Dr. Cool, Ghani has implemented similar cooling systems in venues that include a shopping plaza in Doha's cultural district and a fruit and vegetable farm in the coastal city of Alcor in northern Qatar. His innovation is seen as a game changer not only for outdoor spaces but also football stadiums in hot climate areas where fans can enjoy the game all year round because football is a beautiful game and it should be for all and it should be played 24 7 no matter what was your weather if it is too cold or if it is too high or you know as altitude or too low in altitude or too hot or warm and that's what we wanted to do 
Seven of the eight World Cup stadiums will be artificially air-cooled for the duration of the tournament. Stadium 974 is the one exception. That stadium, the World Cup's first temporary fully demountable football venue, features natural ventilation. World Cup players and fans will enjoy cooler weather next month when winter officially begins in Qatar and knockout matches are played in the evening when temperatures typically fall below 80 degrees. And that is all from me. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. This is Sonic Idols, boss. <laughs> Canada has a lot to crow about in tennis. Canada won its first Davis Cup title over the weekend, beating Australia in Malaga, Spain. Craig Gabriel reports from Malaga. It was Canada's second time in the final of the Davis Cup at Rakuten, and now they are the champions in the World Cup of Tennis, and they are the 16th nation to get their hands on this magnificent trophy that stands on three plinths and was originally donated by Dwight Davis from St. Louis as a symbol of sporting goodwill between the USA and the British Isles and was first played for in 1900. It's the great trophy that led to the creation of the Tennis Grand Slam, being Wimbledon, the French, US and Australian majors, because those were the original four nations to win the Davis Cup. Considering the various levels of the competition, 145 nations were involved in Davis Cup this year, and now Canada stands at the summit holding the spoils. Even as recently as 10 years ago, this could not be imagined. Canada never had the players, but now they lean on Felix Onger Aliassime and Denis Shapovalov. Shapovalov certainly rose to the occasion in the first match when he defeated Thanasi Kokonakis 6-2-6-4. While the Canadian was right on the money, the Aussie lost the first four games and said he was nervous and was lacking matches. To quote him, he said, I was useless out there. Then Orsha Eliassim continued his superb recent form and accounted for Alex Dimonor 6-3-6-4. But I remember us thinking like, yeah, we're 15, 16 and like we just won the Junior Davis Cup, like projecting ourselves winning winning this one day. So it's, it's cool to be in this position now and it's kind of a full circle. We've got Vashik who's been part of Davis Cup for many years, uh, won many matches. Uh, I remember as a kid watching him play, won a lot of clutch matches and then to have all the rest of young guys coming up and playing well. So it's, uh, it's a special team. With that, Canada took an unbeatable lead and the doubles match was cancelled. Before the final began, the qualifying draw was done for next year's Davis Cup by Rakuten. Top seed Croatia will be home to Austria. France is away to Hungary. The USA is away to Uzbekistan. Germany is home to Switzerland. And Great Britain is away to Colombia. That brings an end to the official 2022 tennis season. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Malaga. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports. On Voice of America. More kudos for kudos. Mohamed Kudus had two goals on Monday to help lead Ghana to a big 3-2 victory over South Korea at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Ahead of football's premier event, the 22-year-old Kudus said he hoped to make a successful World Cup debut. Um, it feels um, really good, to be honest, but I mean, it will be even more better with, the, with better performances and, and leave a mark over there. I mean, the goal is not just to, 
to just play at the World Cup and then does it. But the goal is to, to, to leave a mark as a nation and, and we really want to do well. So that's the goal. It's not just going to the World Cup, but it's, it's, it's making a mark and leaving good performances when we go there. I think my personal goal comes, comes with the team, honestly, because um, without the team uh, making it far, then all the personal goals don't really uh, come in. So, like I said before, it's, the main goal is to help the team get out of the group, because the, the further we go in, the more they see the individuals. So the, the goal is for the team to, to, to get out of the group stages and then the further we go in the tournament, I think the more um, light comes on the individual. So it's all for the, for, for the team. You know? That's Ghana's young World Cup star, Mohamed Kudus. If you're just tuning in, Kudus scored two goals on Monday to help lead Ghana to a 3-2 victory over South Korea. In another result, Cameroon and Serbia played to a three-all draw. And that wraps up the November 28th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. That's the sunny side of sports.